thank you, Jesus. Let the power of God rest on every heart here this morning. Lord, we do not need a touch from me. We need a touch from you. Holy Spirit, do what you love to do in this place and glorify Jesus. Glorify Jesus. Glorify Jesus. <laughs> I sense even right now for some of you, God is going to, to fill your, your physical nose with a new fragrance. That the stench of death will be replaced with the smell of eternal life with the fragrance of the Lord. It's right now, God, I just pray, touch every heart, touch every life, touch every spirit. Um, I just feel that I have to recite Psalms 23. So, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He lays me down in green meadows. He leads me beside still streams. He restores my soul and leads me down paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil. For Thou art with us, His rod and His staff, He comforts us. He prepares a table for us in the face of our enemies. He anoints our heads with oil and our cups overflow. And goodness and mercy shall follow us days where I've recited that to myself constantly just to get through dark places and every time a different line just gets highlighted and I feel this morning it's he's leading us down paths of righteousness for his name's sake to glorify him and to really welcome home the return of Jesus as an expectant united gave me a picture this week I it might be for one of you it might be for many of you but I was um, it's a picture of sitting in a waiting room and it's like you didn't know what the waiting room is for there was a door and on the other side of the door you had no idea you're just in the waiting room and in the spirit I heard the ticking of a clock there's this tick 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 Obviously, it wasn't that fast. It was every second. And, and I saw this picture of whoever this person was sitting in this waiting room, having no idea what's on the other side. And the ticking of this clock is driving them insane. And they're looking around the room, trying to find the clock. You know, there's four walls on the room, and they're, and they're trying to find the clock. And there's no clock. There's this ticking and it's, 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 and I felt like God said, there's, there, there's someone here who is in waiting and you don't know what you're in waiting for, but there's this ticking in your head and, and, and you're going, God, how long, what for, what's the purpose? And, and I believe that God would say to you this morning, there is no clock. There is no clock. And if you would let me meet you in the waiting room, If you would see that I'm sitting in the waiting room with you, 
longing for conversation with you. Suddenly what's on the other side of that door would seem far less important, far less daunting. Your appointment will come. But Jesus wants to speak with you in the waiting room. Where's, where's Sharon? Sharon? Sharon. Felt like God said to me, there's a verse in the Bible that says, ask and I will give the nations to you. I believe God said to me, have I given you this word before? Good, perfect. You don't remember, I don't remember, that's good. It's just, I, I'm having a deja vu now. I felt like God said to me, you know, ask and I will give you the nations. And he's saying to you, it's time to pick your nation. It's time to start, you know, to, to look at the globe, to look at an atlas, to look and go, God, I want that one. It might be New Zealand, might be overseas, I have no idea, but I felt like God said, it's time to pick the nation. And when you ask him and when you set your eyes on him, he's gonna give you that nation. And he's gonna use you mightily to minister in that way, minister in that place. And so, you know, do you have a world map at home? Good, you need to start studying it, you need to start pouring over it, you need to start praying over it. And um, I, it's, it's weird. I feel like God's almost giving you the choice. It, it's, it's like God's taking you in and going, you, you pick the nation. You pick the nation. Don't let him tell you what nation to pick. You pick the nation. <laughs> and, 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 and God will give it to you because you're his daughter and he wants to give you good gifts. I had another picture. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to preach this morning. Let's, let's just be fair. That's not going to happen. If we could all just kick that expectation out the door, we will all be, we will all be better for it. <laughs> I had another picture this, uh, this, in, the, in the last couple of days. Um, actually, Stefan, I, I believe a part of this is for you. Um, just even now as I'm, as I'm sharing it. But you know, one of the things about prophetic words is everyone can grab onto them. Eh? And I saw this picture of, you know, most, looking around the room, most of us are my age or older, so we're okay. I saw this picture of a viewfinder. You know what I mean when I say viewfinder, right? One of those like, and I saw it being like a picture of, you know, I saw a picture of someone looking for the, through the viewfinder and it had this disc in it and they're clicking through it, you know, and they're looking at the photos and, and there's just no joy in it. And so they take it out and they put another disc in it and, and they're clicking through it and there's just no joy in it. And, and I felt like God said that, that it's, it's because the disc that is in your viewfinder was not made for you. And I got this picture of like a, a viewfinder that, that constantly someone else's disc in it, someone else's hope in it, someone else's uh, perception of God in it, someone else's uh, dream in it. I, I don't know. Uh, but then I felt like God said, I'm going to give you a new disc to put in your viewfinder. And as you point it at the light, have you ever tried to use a viewfinder in a dark room? It don't work. It's, it's not an iPad. It doesn't have a power source. The viewfinder is entirely dependent on finding a light source. And I felt like God said, as you put that new disc in your viewfinder and you point it to the light source, you are going to find a whole new joy in that. You're going to find a whole new hope in that. You're going to see, because it's no longer looking at someone else's plan for your life. It's no longer looking at uh, what you've been told, what you've been taught. It's looking at what God wants to show you through His lens, through His light. And uh, yeah, so Take it or leave it. Um, Jesus. I 
I said this last week, but one of the things that I challenged my staff with uh, this week again was when I was in the States. I watched this man, um, Michael. And the thing that I admired about him is, is, is he, he was not ministering to us. He was ministering to Jesus. We were just the vehicle. And, and so, yeah, people were getting healed, but it was not about them. It was about Jesus. It had nothing to do with my miracle. Yeah, I, I, I was just the byproduct of a man giving worship to Jesus. And I feel like, again, as we're in this place, as we learn to love Jesus, and, and you know, last Sunday, to see people on the altar going, I need to submit myself, commit myself, my life to Jesus afresh. And I feel like there's this new thing coming. You know, the Bible says, whatever you do, do it as if you're doing it for the Lord. Whatever you do, do it as if you're doing it for the Lord. Uh, and, the, and, and, and that means whatever your job is right now, whatever your position is in your family, we don't love our wives or our husbands for our husbands or our wives' benefit. We love them as worship to God. We love them. Our covenant that we made at the altar was not to them, it was to God. And, and something shifted in me to go, what if I stopped preaching for your benefit? What if I stopped leading worship for your benefit? And what if I started doing it for His benefit? And I just, I believe that's not, like, I, I know that if that's something that shifted in me, I know that it's something that could shift in you. And so what happens when we start giving to God? What happens when we start coming to church, not for the benefit of the person on the left or our right, or even ourselves, but simply for the benefit of Jesus? You know, two, two scriptures that come to mind in that. John chapter 3. Verse 16, we know. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but that through him we might be saved. And so the entire crux of those two verses is to know that God's purpose was love. God's motivation was love, not condemnation. God's motivation was not to fix what was broken. It was love. It was not, you know how like sometimes if you do a job for someone, uh, I, I remember when I was a plastic welder, I fixed someone's plastic doodah and they took it home and they brought it back two days later and it was broken. And you go, oh, give it back, I'll, I'll fix it. And you're fixing it because it was your handiwork and you like there was this kind of desire to like, oh, I must fix that. That's not why God came. God did not come because he created this perfect world and then went, oh, I've got a reputation to live up to here. God came out of love. And John chapter three, verse 14 says that as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so the son of man must be lifted up. In John chapter 12, God said that, Jesus said that if I am lifted up, if I am lifted up, I will draw all men, all mankind to myself. So, yes, we know Jesus is talking about his ultimate, his death on a cross, then ultimately his ascension to heaven. But we talked this morning about enthroning God on the praises of his church. When we turn our worship, when we turn our heart, when we turn our adoration towards Jesus, not the songs that are being sung, not the staff that's pre member that's preaching, not the what, whatever that is, when we turn our heart towards the person of Jesus, that's when he is lifted up. And all men and women will be drawn to him. I have a new love for Jesus. I hope you see it ooze out of me. 
I hope that it encourages you because God's response to his love for us. Let me ask you this. When you love someone, what do you want more than anything else? Their pin number? If you do, check your heart. <laughs> like, if you love someone, the thing you desire most from them is their love. It is their love. There is nothing more heartbreaking than loving someone who doesn't love you back. And Jesus' Jesus' motivation was love. His desire is love. And when we give that to Him, it delight. God, Jesus is a person. And I think one of the things that we have done, which had noble intent, but has ultimately had a, uh, a, a well, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for. That's what happens when I don't write things down. Um, you know, when I was a teenager, there was this big movement going through youth group and churches about, you know, Jesus isn't white. And, and can we all agree this morning Jesus wasn't white? Just based on his geographical location, we can safely assume. But what we ended up doing was we started throwing out images of Jesus. Going, That's not Jesus. That's not what Jesus would look like. And, and cool, I, I understand the thing about that. We have, a, we, we have a responsibility to embrace the diverse culture that God has given us. But what we did is, is we removed the face of Jesus without replacing the face of Jesus. And so what we did is we made our God faceless. And what's the problem with a faceless God? If he's a faceless God, then it's just an idea. It's just a theology. It's just, it's, it's just an ideology. I have a subscription to Netflix. Anyone else have a subscription to Netflix? $14 a month or something. I think you pay if you want it in HD and you want it on more than one device or whatever. $14 a month. You know how many months go by where I don't even touch that subscription? <laughs> I pay it every month, but you know how many months go by where I didn't even watch a video on it? Any of you ever done that with your subscription? Yeah? Yeah? No? <laughs> You're like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> See, if Jesus is just something I subscribe to, as long as I, as long as I keep paying my bill, as long as I keep doing it, it doesn't matter if I never engage with the service. But if Jesus is a person, if Jesus has a face, if Jesus has a personality. See, I, I can go an entire month without checking in with Netflix, and Netflix doesn't care. If I go an entire month without checking in on my wife, can I tell you something? That, that, that ain't a good marriage. That ain't going to end well. And I feel like, again, for some of you this morning, as you exchange your grave clothes, Jesus is going to move and become a person in your life again. It's going to cease to be a subscription service. And that's going to be interesting because that's going to put new challenges on your relationship with God. It's no longer going to be enough to have a Christian Bible verse at the front door of your house. It's no longer going to be enough to have a Bible at your bedside. It's no longer going to be enough to, uh, you know, all of those things because you go, I've done all these things. I live a Christian life. People look at me and go, you're a Christian. It's like, but they're not supposed to look at you. They're supposed to look at Jesus. And I believe there's a new thing coming where God is going to, but it's going to come out of love. See, Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. I want to submit to you that I, I don't think that was so much a threat. I think he was stating a fact. If you love me, 
the overflow of that will be you do what I do. And I just believe that there's going to be this new fresh love, this new fresh joy. Uh, we're done, but I want to finish with a story. I'm reading this book at the moment. I'm considering buying everyone in the congregation a copy. <laughs> it's called the Jesus book. And the tagline is for recklessly in love with Jesus. I just want to read you the first part. This chapter is called Jesus the Lover. I know, don't you love that word? In 1732, John, Leonard Dober and David Nitschman, both in their early 20s, left their jobs and families to become the first Moravian missionaries. These two young men had heard that 3,000 slaves from Africa had been taken to an island in the West Indies to work on the sugarcane plantations. God had placed a burden on their hearts to go to the island and present the gospel to these slaves who were forced to work there. But there was a problem. The British slave owner, who was an atheist, would not let any missionaries on the island. He defiantly announced, no preacher, no clergyman will ever stay on this island. If he's shipwrecked, we'll keep him in a separate house until he has to leave, but he will never talk to any of us about God. Since they couldn't get on the island as missionaries, there was only one other option. They had to be willing to be sold into slavery. Selling themselves to the British planter was their only shot, and they took it. If they were going to share the gospel with the slaves, they had to become slaves themselves. This wasn't a decision where they could come back in a few years. They would be working as slaves on the island for the rest of their lives and would never be able to return home. Their families were shocked and couldn't understand why they had made such a radical decision. They had sacrificed their freedom and their entire future to serve Jesus Christ in the most unusual way. They wanted more than anything to answer the call of God to reach these slaves and please Him, please Him with their lives. On October 8, 1732, their family stood on the dock weeping, knowing they would never see them again. As the ship pulled away with the young men aboard, they linked arms together and shouted to their loved ones they were leaving behind, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. These words became the anthem and the inspiration for thousands of missionaries who would follow in their footsteps. If you ask, what does it mean to love Jesus? You have just read one of the purest examples. We also read in reverse what Jesus did for us. But the thing I love about that is their motivation was not the people on the island. Like, hear this. Their motivation was not the people on the island. It was the person they carried with them. And so this week, be encouraged that God is with you and he is a person and his name is Jesus. I've, you know how many people I've had saying, that's not what Jesus looks like? No, probably not. I imagine he's got a little bit more color in his face. Pam got me a dancing Jesus while we were in Bethel. He shakes, bubbles back and forth. He's sitting on my dashboard. It's probably not what Jesus looks like. If it is, he really needs to see a chiropractor because his top half is not me. But what he does is he reminds me every time I get in my car that he's real and that he's a person. He's not an idea. He's not an idea. Taya does not yet know Jesus as her God, but she knows him as a living person. She thinks he's a real person. 
because he is. She didn't go, who is this Jesus we talk about? Sometimes she strokes my arm and says, it's Jesus. I'm like, well, he's not that hairy either. It's <laughs> anyway, getting off track. The point is, I, th- I believe over these next couple of weeks, God is calling us again and again and again back to the person of Jesus. And we have to be prepared that that's going to look different because it's not about our service. It's not about our structure. It's not about our whatever. It's about Jesus. As we transition into a church meeting this afternoon, which is very much focused on our structure, it's not focused on our structure. It's getting our structure out of the way so we can focus on Jesus. We're addressing the structure so that we might focus on Jesus. Does that make sense? Got one more word. Got one more word. Nope, I don't. (laughs) Thought I did. It's there. It'll come out probably in the middle of the meeting. That's okay. Let me pray for you. God, we want to thank you for the privilege of gathering in your house. God, we... We live in uncertain times, but we have one certainty, and that is that our God reigns, that he was lifted up, crucified on a cross, died for our sins, was raised to life again, and gives us the same life. And Jesus, we honor you this morning. We glorify you this morning. We declare you are the only reason worth being here. Yeah, we like the food. Yeah, we like the fellowship but we could get all that somewhere else. We're here this morning, some of us wide-eyed from late nights of rugby, but because you are here and you are worthy of praise. And so we thank you, Jesus, and we pray that that attitude, that mindset would be through our meeting, through our afternoon, and through the rest of the week and the rest of our days, we pray. And all God's people said, amen and amen. That was weird. We just all agree that was a bit different and a bit strange. And I didn't like it. Uh, no, I loved it. <laughs> I'm a recovering control freak, and so there's nothing quite like just putting it in the hands of Jesus and going, that's awesome. But um, Hey, so what we're going to do now is we're going to transition very quickly into our meeting side of things.